Well, good afternoon, everybody. I guess we have, we, we know that uh, only few are chosen, right? And so we're the, we're those who are truly persevering to the end today, right? For those of you who are here. Um, everyone else? Well, they fell off the path, right? No. Um, just kidding. Um, well, um, I'll just hold on to this for now. Um, I always joke this is the third sacrament, so we need that uh, today. But it's good to be here to teach adult Sunday school class um, on the subject of the URCNA and NAPARC. And so we'll uh, dig in here, and we may finish a little early, which um, I trust won't uh, bother you all, um, but we'll see how the discussion goes. Uh, Why don't I open us up in prayer, and I'll read some scripture, and we'll just uh, jump right in. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for the ministry of your word today. We pray during this hour that you would bless us in a better understanding of our own federation and how we interact with other Reformed and Presbyterian denominations. And so, Lord, may you, by your word and spirit, continue to bring about more and more unity among true churches so that the world may know Uh, that you have sent the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior of the world. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, uh, I thought I would briefly read from John 17. and So we're not going to devote this hour to any kind of uh, exposition of this part of John 17, but just want to put out there one of the, the basis for our relationships and pursuing relationships with other Reformed and Presbyterian denominations as we find it uh, uh, in the high priestly prayer. Keep in mind, this is God the Son uh, in human flesh praying to His Father in heaven. And it's, uh, this prayer is instructive to us on uh, any n- multiple uh, layers of, of levels. Uh, but we want to focus today on uh, the church unity aspect of which we find uh, from part of this prayer. So I'll read uh, verses 20 uh, through uh, the end of the prayer uh, in verse 26. So we're picking up midstream here, but Jesus prays to the Father, I do not ask for these only, uh, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. You know, and I'll actually go ahead and, and stop there, uh, just for time's sake. Um, so Jesus is praying... Uh, that his disciples, that his people would be one. Uh, and uh, I think just, just briefly I want to put out there that there are two levels here of oneness that I believe are uh, in, in view here. On one level, there, there is uh, organizational unity, right? Where you have actually uh, denominations perhaps actually becoming one and merging. And so you have a, a oneness in that sense. Uh, and do we see that very often? No, not, not a whole lot, right? 
Um, and so we might ask, well, did Jesus' prayer go unanswered then? Is, is, is it possible for Jesus' prayer not to be answered by the Father? No, right? Um, so, so what do we do with that? Well, uh, perhaps the resolution is an understanding that uh, we all have, as true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ throughout all times and all places, uh, have a spiritual unity with one another. That is very real, right? Because we have the Spirit indwelling us, right? He's the one that's made us alive to trust in the gospel, and we're united to Jesus, and we're all part of now the household of faith together as we are spiritually united to Christ. And so every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is united to him, and therefore to one another as well. And so we have that now, don't we? Right? And when, when will we have the fullness of that? Christ's return, yeah. Then there will be, if you will, uh, complete organizational unity, right? There won't be any more, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of Calvin, or I'm of so-and-so, or, uh, you know, I'm Continental Reformed, I'm, I'm Presbyterian, or I'm Reformed Baptist, or, or what have you. Uh, we'll all, we will be literally all one in Christ before the throne uh, in the Lamb, and that's something we have to look forward to. Uh, yes? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good question. That even in, within our own federation of churches, we we have unity as well. We have you know uh, a, you know 114 or so individual congregations, but yet we all uh, confess the same uh, three forms of unity and abide by the same church order, and we all trust in the same uh, Savior. And so, in that sense, even within our own communion, we have our uh, united uh, community. Of course, yeah, um, and so. Uh, we are called uh, by Scripture uh, to pursue unity in the faith, right? Uh, and uh, so today I want to talk about how the URC does that. Something that, uh, you know, in our churches, uh, honestly, just maybe a weakness of ours is that we've probably not taught our congregations within our own federation well enough on uh, how our own federation pursues uh, unity, uh, with other uh, like-minded Presbyterian and Reformed denominations and federations. And so I want to uh, try to help begin to bridge that gap. Um, and, you know, Jesus prays that we would be one. And, of course, we have that spiritual unity, but yet that we are called at the same time to actually work towards a visible, tangible, organizational unity with other like-minded churches. And we ought to take that very seriously. And thankfully, our federation does, whether you realize it or not. Um, and built into our church order is a whole process by which we engage with other denominations to work towards a tangible union uh, with one another. We are actually engaged in that work vigorously and proactively as, uh, as the United Reformed Churches in North America. And how many of you were aware of that? And how many of you know the details of that process? Okay, yeah, so just a few of you who have been office bearers and, and uh, maybe are a little more exposed than the average uh, sheep in the pew. Um, and so, uh, so I'll need to do a little bit of brief uh, recap of our own federation 
in order to understand more fully how our federation interacts with other denominations. And so uh, some of this is probably review for you, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. But the, the first question I want to just ask you is, what does this acronym stand for if you know what it is? And elders in the room, please don't answer. Yeah, very close, but essentially correct. The North American Presbyterian and Reformed Council. Uh, and you can learn about it at napark.org. So this is a body um, that comprises of, I, I believe, 13 member denominations that have agreed together to work toward uh, more church unity. Uh, and, the, and all the members of that congregate or that this uh, uh, body or council are uh, Reformed and Presbyterian. And can I have a volunteer to, to help pass out uh, a handout here? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll pick you. So it's okay. You can sit. That's fine. And then uh, would you help on this side? So thank you. Uh, so, so what I've, what I'm handing out to you is a, uh, some description of the North American Presbyterian and Reformed Council, and also some statistics of the URC, which may be surprising to you. So the United Reformed Churches in North America, we are one of the members of the North American Presbyterian and Reformed Council. So there's a lot of alphabet soup. So... So the URCNA is part of the NAPARC. Um, now, uh, we have, as a federation, what's called a standing synodical committee called the Committee for Ecumenical Relations and Church Unity. How many of you were aware of that, that we have that committee as a federation? Just a few of us here, right? So that is, so here's, you know, alphabet soup, right? So I warned you. Um, we go, we call that by its acronym CIRCU, the Committee for Ecumenical Relations and Church Unity. And when I talk about it being a standing synodical committee, what do I mean? Well, as hopefully you know, uh, in our federation, our church polity and our church government is that we have locally a, uh, a consistory, right? Maybe I should do that a little higher, sorry. for. Um, and so you got the consistory. And um, what is the next broader assembly called? Classes, right? So I'll, I'll write it up here. And then what is the next, what's the broadest assembly in our federation? Synod, right? Okay. So the consistory is made up of elders and ministers, right? The local congregation. The classes is uh, the regional churches in that geographical region. Um, so our consistory ordinarily meets once a month, right? And then Classis meets twice a year, ordinarily, in Classis Southwest United States. That's the Classis we're in. And then Synod meets at least every three years, although the last uh, few Synods we've met every two years. Um, and uh, so, so we've got a, 
And at the synodical level, there are standing committees. And when I say standing committees, they're, they're committees that continue, um, that, that, that have uh, delegates that throughout the years, in between synods, are doing work uh, under the oversight of a convening consistory, and uh, we won't talk about all that right now, but, um, but that there are committees that stand. They're permanent committees that do the work that they have a mandate to do. And one of those standing committees is CIRCU, Committee for Ecumenical Relations and Church Unity. And the way that these standing committees are set up is uh, there are representatives on those committees from each classes. So each classes in our federation uh, sends uh, one delegate or one representative to be on uh, the standing committee. And so for classes Southwest United States, that's our classes, I'm our classes' representative on that committee. And then there are a few at-large members too who aren't necessarily attached to any particular uh, classes. Um, and so, so we are tasked with the mandate of working towards church unity with other like-minded Reformed and Presbyterian bodies. And so uh, we uh, work with NAPARC. And so as a member church of NAPARC, CIRCU, our Synodical Standing Committee on Ecumenical Relations, pursues church unity uh, with the other members of NAPARC. And you can see the member churches listed on your, your handout there, right? Um, and so it's, it, it's really awesome to realize that there is very real substantive work being done by our federation to work with these other member churches of NAPARC towards church unity. Um, and it's something that that I'll, I'll just frankly say, I'm very proud of our federation that we take this seriously. This is built into our church order to do this, um, and we take it very seriously. Now, we, there, are, there are many uh, churches, uh, community churches, evangelical churches, you know, true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that, uh, that, that really um, sort of disparage uh, denominations and re reformed denominations and things like that and, and, and may point the finger at us saying that we're divisive um, and sometimes that's true but uh, I, I would like to say though overall though it's, it is an unfair characterization um, and, uh, and, and many churches will talk a lot about unity and, and being united and loving one another and being together and, and, and being one but not actually doing something about it. And so one of the wonderful things about our federation is that we are doing something about it tangibly. NAPARC meets once a year, um, and every year our whole committee, there's something like 11 men from our federation, every year go to the National, uh, the North American Presbyterian and Reform Council to their General Assembly, and we sit down with our counterparts in all these other member churches and ask each other, okay, how can we work more towards unity with one another? How can we get to know one another better? Uh, and it's, it's a privilege to be part of that process. Uh, and so we can, we can say to the world, we are actively taking Jesus literal and serious at his word. 
And in his prayer, we take his prayer seriously uh, to be one, as he and the Father are one. And we know that, it, that we're not able to do that perfectly, and in, in, in all likelihood, many of our efforts will fall just a little bit short of actual full unity with one another. But nonetheless, there's very real substantive progress that is made in that process. Uh, and sometimes uh, we don't always know that or see that. Um, and so uh, let me read just here the, the purpose and function of NAPARC, and that's on your, your handout. I'll let you read the basis of NAPARC's fellowship. Well, actually, I'll read just um, the, uh, the last uh, long sentence of the basis of NAPARC's fellowship. It says that the adopted basis of fellowship be regarded as warrant for the establishment of a formal relationship of the nature of the council, that is, a fellowship that enables the constituent churches to advise, counsel, and cooperate in various matters with one another, and hold out before each other the desirability and need for organic union of churches that are of like faith and practice. So you see there that the, the basis of, of this council is to uh, have a formal relationship with one another, to advise, to counsel, and cooperate in various ways, all with the goal of working more and more towards uh, unity with one another. Uh, and, and then you see the purpose and function of NAPARC, and we get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty of what happens uh, at NAPARC on a yearly basis, uh, to facilitate discussion and consultation between member bodies on those issues and problems which divide them as well as on those which they face in common, and by sharing of insights, communicate advantages to one another. And then also to promote the appointment of joint committees to study matters of common interest and concern. And also to exercise mutual concern in the perpetuation, retention, and propagation of the Reformed faith. And to promote cooperation wherever possible and feasible on the local and denominational level in such areas as missions, Relief efforts, Christian schools, and church education. Uh, so those are that, so uh, so those are some pretty robust and, and hefty uh, things about NAPARC and the purpose of NAPARC, uh, and that we are part of that process, and we have uh, willingly uh, uh, put ourselves uh, in uh, the position to pursue these things with the other member churches of NAPARC, and um, now. Just to, for clarification, NAPARC doesn't have any ultimate authority over these federations or ourselves. So the decisions that are made and the conclusions that are formulated uh, and any statements that are produced are advisory in nature. Right? So it's this, this doesn't eclipse our, uh, you know, our, our individual federation, uh, but it's something that, that is advisory in nature. Um, and uh, so we won't get into all the details of that, but I'll just simply uh, leave it general there for discussion uh, at another time. Um, so, uh, so as you can see, NAPARC is a big deal, or at least it ought to be considered as such. Um, and uh, so, uh, so tomorrow I fly to Philadelphia because our, our, this year's General Assembly for NAPARC meets Tuesday through Thursday of this week. And so I fly out to Philadelphia tomorrow, and I meet with the other members 
from our standing committee, CIRCU, um, and we'll engage together our counterparts because each of these uh, denominations and federations that are listed here as member churches have their own various committees that are working toward the same thing. And uh, so what we get to do, uh, the nitty-gritty of what happens at NAPARC, not only do we have general sessions where uh, various matters are brought forward, um, and you'll see the items for discussion at the bottom of the page. I won't go over those, but you can look at those later. So not only will we have uh, you know, times of discussion and fraternal admonishment of one another and various things that happen in the, the general sessions of General Assembly, but there's a lot of meetings then that will take place before and after breaks and during breaks and throughout this week that would happen behind closed doors. And they're called bilateral meetings. And so, for instance, uh, on Tuesday morning, uh, one of the churches that our committee is going to meet with is the Korean Presbyterian Church uh, uh, in, in America, the KPCA. And so we will sit down with them, our committee and their committee, and we will ask each other, what can we do to be more united uh, in working towards getting to know one another uh, and pursuing church unity? That's called a bilateral meeting. And we're, now we're not able to meet with every uh, member church in the course of a, a few days, but, but we'll probably have six, seven, maybe eight meetings with these various member churches. And it, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a blessing. You get to know uh, different uh, Christians in different parts of, of North America from these different federations and denominations. And, and, um, and we're doing the work of church unity. Uh, and um, so uh, one thing that I want to also call your attention to is um, how we do interchurch relations as a federation. So, I'm not, so I've already mentioned how we have bilateral meetings at NAPARC with these various member churches, but let's, I should back up and, and discuss how it is uh, that we relate to these churches. Um, and uh, we have in our church order, in our synodical policies and procedures, I should say, um, three phases of interaction with these churches in NAPARC, working towards church unity. Uh, so the first phase is called corresponding relations. Um, and uh, there, we, we are in corresponding relations with nine of the members of NAPARC, with the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, the Free Reformed Churches, the Heritage Reformed Congregations, Korean American Presbyterian Church, the PCA, Presbyterian Reformed Church, uh, and then also the Africa Evangelical Presbyterian Church, the United Reformed Churches in Congo, and the Evangelical Reformed Church in Latvia. So in those nine churches, we have corresponding relations where we're getting to know them and have what you might say is casual contact with them, and, and we may send fraternal observers to their uh, various uh, broader assemblies and things like that, uh, to get to know them, and they may send some to our, uh, our synods and our classes meetings and so on and so forth. And if any of you have been to synod or classes meeting, you have probably seen fraternal observers come up and address the whole body. Well, that's what we're talking about. We, we share those and send those to each other's um, various uh, bodies 
And, um, and so it, it's, it's a sort of a get-to-know-you phase. And uh, with NAPARC in our federation, uh, every member church we are automatically in at least phase one relations with. Now, you were asking, well, well Brad, you only mentioned that there's nine in phase one. Well, that's because we have two other phases. So some are not just in corresponding relations phase one anymore. Uh, we are actually in uh, with five of the member churches uh, in phase two, which is called ecclesiastical fellowship. So phase one is corresponding relations, and phase two is ecclesiastical fellowship. And uh, that is a little bit more of a substantive uh, relationship with these other denominations. And in order for us to enter into phase two with any members of NAPARC, our whole federation has to approve that. There's a vote at synod, and there has to be a, 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 a... at least a majority, I don't know the exact number, maybe it might even be a supermajority, uh, to, to enter into phase two. And then that decision of synod goes back to all the consistories in our federation to ratify that. So to go to step two or phase two of ecclesiastical fellowship is actually a big deal. And so uh, both our federation and, that, and our counterpart federation, uh, their broadest assemblies all need to be in agreement and do that together. Uh, and so each, each of these member denominations in NAPARC have their own, uh, you know, different uh, um, processes of, of what uh, different phases and things like that, but, but this all corresponds generally with one another. Uh, and so, uh, so we are in phase two with the Canadian Reformed Churches, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the Reformed Church in the U.S., the Reformed Churches of Quebec, and the Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America, and then some overseas ones, the Calvinist Reformed Church in Indonesia, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of England and Wales, the Free Church of Scotland continuing, the Reformed Churches of New Zealand, the Reformed Churches of the Congo, and the Reformed Churches in South Africa. And so all of those churches, we are in ecclesiastical fellowship, phase two uh, of our interchurch relations. Uh, and in this phase, uh, we will exchange pulpits, right? So we'll, our ministers will, will visit the corresponding churches and, and do pulpit supply. So for instance, we, we have, you're familiar with the OPC, right? We have many OPC ministers come and fill the pulpit here. And many of our men, such as I've done on a number of occasions, will fill the pulpit in the OPC churches here in Southern California and, and abroad in our, in our North American context. Uh, and we will transfer memberships amongst each other. We'll admit each other to the Lord's table without any, any major problems unless somebody's under discipline and that kind of thing. Uh, and so it's a deeper level of union and uh, appreciation uh, for one another. Uh, and so it's, it's actually a very beautiful thing. Uh, and so, uh, so it, I, I hope it's an encouragement to you to see these churches that we are in that kind of formal relationship with. Um, and uh, so, uh, so to me, that's, it's something that's, that's very exciting because these are churches all around the world. Now, granted, they're small, right? Uh, but these are real churches, uh, and we are really working towards uh, a more united front with them. 
Uh, and we're in, in phase two, we're also encouraging one another in evangelism and missions and church planting, making disciples, advising one another, cooperating with one another. And so, for, for instance, we're in phase two, ecclesiastical fellowship with the OPC. Uh, and what, what, what have we recently done with the OPC? The, the Trinity Psalter Hymnal is huge. And uh, what is our missions policy uh, patterned after? The OPC, right? Uh, so there's some very real, tangible unity that, we, that the Lord has forged between us and the, and the OPC, and it's been very beautiful. And the Lord has done that very much organically uh, in our midst, and it's very exciting. Uh, and so that's the kind of stuff that's going on in phase two. Uh, and now there are some limitations uh, to phase two. Uh, for, for instance, it's not really feasible to go beyond phase two with uh, churches that are beyond a North American context, right? So with those churches that are overseas that are listed there in ecclesiastical fellowship, practically speaking, we really can't uh, go any further in our union with one another because there's geographical prohibitions, right? Sometimes some language uh, prohibitions and things like that, that that are just practically not, we're not able to overcome those. And that's not for sinful reasons or anything uh, that is, is wrong on our part or their part, but just some very practical considerations that we're just not able to overcome. And we look forward to the day of Christ's return when we will all be together before the, the, the Lamb of God and the throne of God. Um, so that's, that's a little bit about phase two. Uh, and and then, then we have phase three. And phase three is divided into two steps. The first part of of uh, phase three is 3A, where there's then to be a developed plan for union. Uh, and then phase 3B, or the second step of phase three, is the implement, implement, implementation of that plan. And, uh, and maybe Captain Obvious is making a cameo here, but phase three is all about merging completely. Like you become literally one federation or denomination. That's the goal. And you'll see, as you see, we don't, we're not in phase three with anyone yet. Now, we've been close and are close, right? So we've, we've come right up to the line with uh, the Canadian Reformed churches, and I think we're, we're approaching there uh, with the OPC, right? Um, but we haven't actually, uh, in God's providence yet, actually fully united uh, with one another. Um, and there are some other denominations in Napark who are in similar situation where they're, they're coming real close to a full organic union with one another, and it's exciting. I'm looking forward to this next week of hearing some updates of some, hopefully some more progress of some of the other member denominations of actually taking steps to, to, to fully merge. Um, so, yeah, Dan. How long has Napark been in existence? I... I, th- I think it's been in somewhere in the neighborhood of 40-something years. Has there ever been a phase three? I think it's happened at least once. Um, and, uh, and there's constant progress towards it. And there's some times where you, you get real close, and then it's like, ah, I can't quite do it. And then whew, sort of like with the Can- Canadian Reformed Church in us. Yes. Yeah.
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good to, yeah, thank you, Dan. Um, so what he's talking about is sometimes we enter into corresponding relationship, phase one, or ecclesiastic fellowship, phase two, and, uh, you know, that, that denomination begins doctrinally to stray. We're not locked into, you know, that level of relationship with them forever. So there are mechanisms in place for us to break off relations with. And there have been denominations that have been essentially uh, disciplined and booted out of NAPARC. Uh, the Christian Reformed Church, for instance, uh, has been uh, you know, removed from, from NAPARC. And then also um, there's some, a Reformed Church in, in the Netherlands that, um, that, that many of our churches really now uh, have cut off formal relations with as well. So it, it, it does happen. Um, thankfully, you know, we want to uh, remain uh, working towards unity with churches that are of like mind and, and faith. Um, so we're not joining ourselves to people going in what we feel is the wrong direction uh, in, in their doctrine. And so we, we, do, you know, we do that seriously and soberly and with humble uh, and heavy hearts when we have to backtrack uh, or remove fellowship with. It's not something... Um, that anyone in Napark enjoys doing. Yes, Angela. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, uh, so that's a, so. It, so, what happens when we go to Napark is we communicate to the other member denominations of our steps for. Ecclesiastical Union, and we remind them of our process, and we'll ask them, okay, what's your process exactly uh, look like? And, and then we'll come up and, and brainstorm ideas of, of, you know, how can we facilitate more pulpit swapping? How can we facilitate conferences or colloquiums and discussions on the things that might separate us still? And how we can creatively work towards understanding each other better? Uh, because oftentimes, uh, we, we may be pursuing the same thing and have the same goals in our church government and our doctrine, but yet have a misperception of one another, right? I mean, I mean that happens in our marriages, right? And our friendships and things like that. You, just, you're not, you don't necessarily fully understand everything going on. You've got to talk about it. And in that process, you often, under, you often discover, hey, we really don't have a difference here. We're just structured a little difference, but we, we got the same goal. Um, so... Uh, that's part of the, the fun and beauty of the, this process with NAPARC. And that is taking place. So, for instance, um, we're, we're going to meet with the OPC uh, in the next few days. And we have a very warm, uh, very enjoyable relationship with our counterparts on their ecumenical committee. And, uh, and we'll sit down and we'll, we'll thank God together for our work on the Trinity Psalter hymnal. And we'll thank God for our work together in partnership with missions and all the things that are going on. And, uh, and so one of the, one of the th questions that I want to ask uh, it, of the OPC is, okay, for instance, we have a difference between our classes and their presbyteries. And in their denomination, ministers are not a member of the local church, but they're a member of their local presbytery instead. And so I want to ask, why? You know, and so that's something, like, that's, a, that's kind of a big difference between us, but we want to engage and understand why it is that way. 
And I don't fully know the answer. Maybe I should. I've been to seminary, you know, but I don't, I, I, I don't have that answer. And so I, I want to get it because I want to I understand. And, and that's what they do with us. Um, and, and, that's, and that's really what NAPARC is all about, to really understand those differences and see if there is a way in which those differences can be, be bridged if they're real differences. Oftentimes they're not. Um, and uh, so, uh, so I would ask that you guys pray for our Committee on Ecumenical Relations and Church Unity this week. Uh, pray that those, these discussions with these other denominations would be a blessing to them, fruitful for us, and that more work would continue. Uh, and so that, uh, so that when we bring our reports to Synod and then we report back to our respective classes, uh, that uh, you would receive information that real progress uh, is being made. Um, and so, so pray that our churches would grow more and more in unity. Uh, with these other member churches of, of NAPARC. Um, and uh, so uh, let me just transition to a little bit of, I thought it would be fun to share our statistics. Uh, but before, actually, before I do that, is, it, is there any, any uh, questions so far that, that I've talked about with regard to NAPARC or uh, to our phases of ecclesiastical fellowship and union and so on and so forth or, or anything to do with what I've brought up so far? Yes, Dan. Right, on issues like the federal vision and exactly. things like that. They, yeah. they weren't as dogmatic about it or against it as much as we wanted, so there was a lot of concern. And yet at the same time, just so you have a better picture of this, we have a bunch of URCs up in Canada. They're in the same towns with these Canadian RCs. People are getting married yeah. across there and joining one church or going to the other church, you know, so they have a lot of interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because of our past with the CRC. Exactly. Yeah. So those are things that kind of bring real concern. Mm-hmm. In doctrine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, just to you know, to continue to talk about the OPC, I would say right now, probably with the OPC, we have the the warmest and closest relationship in, in within NAPARC. Um, and so, for instance, that last last year when our circuit committee uh, had a bilateral meeting with our counterparts in the OPC, I mean, we actually bridge the question of, can we actually be merging? Could we actually get there? And there was a sense between, you know, you know, their heavy hitters and our heavy hitters, well, maybe the others on our committee, I don't necessarily 
think I'm a heavy hitter, but, um, but there was a, a very real sense of hopefulness that we could get there with the OPC. Um, and now, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and, you know, rush the process. I think we did that a little bit with the CRC or the Canadian Reformed Church, and that kind of bit us in the butt toward the end. But, but, um, but there, there is some real hopefulness, and I just want to communicate that uh, to you all, that there is, that, that it's something that is, is prayerfully being sought, and, um, and I, I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe not in my lifetime, but maybe in our children's lifetime, that there, there could be a real unity there. Because look what's happening with our Trinity Psalter hymn. We're singing from the same Psalter and hymns. And our, we, have, we have their standards of faith, the Westminster Confessional Standards, in our Trinity Psalter hymnal, along with, they have our three forms of unity. You know, I mean, that, that's unprecedented. Uh, and our missions are, are largely patterned after the OPC. So there's some real things in place uh, that, can, that really, I think, are beginning to provide a pretty strong foundation to build off of. Um, and so I would say, you know, pray in particular that that would continue uh, with the OPC and then develop more and more with the other denominations too. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it is happening. You know, it, it is happening. Uh, maybe, maybe, not so much, uh, maybe not so much right here in San Diego County, but it's happening in Orange County. Um, so, for instance, I, I help organize a joint Reformation service every year with uh, the churches in, in uh, Orange County, and we have OPC, PCA, KAPC, um, and uh, the RCUS, and even some Reformed Baptist brothers and churches, that uh, every year we meet and do that. Um, and uh, also, there are uh, some of our classes. I think there's been one or two classes uh, in the Midwest or in the East that have had a concurrent uh, uh, classes and presbytery meeting at the same time in the same location sort of like we did this past summer with the OPC, with our, our synod and their general assembly in Wheaton, Illinois. Um, so those are very real, tangible things. Um, and of course, we, we have their ministers in our pulpits and us with them as well. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I would love to see that happen, things like that happen more and more here in, in, uh, in San Diego County. And I would encourage you, uh, Lord willing, soon here in the near future when you have a new minister, that... Uh, that you all sit down and, and seriously think about how to pursue that. That would be my charge to you all, um, to do that. Yeah, James. So uh, rather than reinventing the wheel, is there an outline for this or a checklist or a process list or something like that? You know like what specifically? Well, you're saying that you're, you're already doing this in the North County area. Is that something that you duplicated? Yeah. Yeah. By following you? Yeah, it's, it's, so I'll just briefly um, you know, mention you know, how we're doing it in Orange County is that we have an ad hoc committee that's formed. And now ad hoc is, it's, it's an informal uh, committee. Uh, so from uh, a few different denominations, so there's maybe six or seven of us on this ad hoc organizing committee that's responsible for uh, organizing the service and, and uh, inviting a guest minister 
um, and um, uh, in, and then also formally sending out invitations to uh, the local Reformed and, and Presbyterian churches and so on and so forth. Um, and that's really, I think, really all that it takes is a, a, an informal group of representatives from various denominations and churches in the local area to sit down uh, and figure out um, you know, how to have a joint worship service, whether it's for Reformation Day or some other occasion or no necessary special occasion at all. Um, and, um, and you commit to you know, inviting and encouraging your sheep to go uh, and, and you worship together. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's more administratively difficult than anything else, um, but it really should be nothing in theory from stopping us to, from putting our money where our mouth is. Um, so uh, I think it just takes some people to just step up take the bull by the horns and actually do some work in inviting people and pull it together and, and, and see what the Lord will do. Uh, so James, if that's you, brother, step up. <laughs> yeah. Dan, you too. Um, and uh, so, no, I, I say that in, in jest and in love. Uh, sorry, not sorry. All right. Um, so, but no, I, I, I appreciate your... Um, your, your comments. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so hopefully, Lord willing, that can happen more and more here. And, and, and it, now it takes, okay, how much time do I have left? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm done. Is that clock wrong? Is it, is it Sunday school an hour or only 45 minutes? Oh, sorry, guys. All right, well, okay, so, you know, so, sorry, we're in negative territory. Thankfully, Jesus... <laughs> was in positive territory in my place. Um, but, but look at, okay, so I'll stop with all that. Um, I want you to see the statistics on the backside real quick. Um, total number of members, including baptized covenant children, look at that number. We're 24,477 people. That's not a big number, is it? Uh, how many of you were aware that we're that small? Okay. All right, good, good. You're aware of our own littleness. Um, and now, if you turn over to the front and you look at the member churches, that's what those numbers are, is their total number of members um, for each denomination or federation. With the exception of the PCA, we're all pretty tiny. Um, and so, uh, so we've got a lot of work to do. Right, so just it's interesting. It's I think it's helpful for us to understand our own skin, our own size, and and the uh, the size of our respective uh, counterparts that we're working towards with with unity. Um, so I'll I'll stop there. Is there James, did you have one question? We'll yeah, we'll end with this. Well, the Bible says all things are possible with God, right? <laughs> so I'm not going to say never. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there are some formidable hurdles with, with something like that. So there's a very real differences and issues that, that need to be worked on. And, um, and there's a lot that can be said for issues going on in the PCA and maybe in another context you could have some more further discussion. But we're going to have some serious discussions with the PCA this week. Um, and we, you know, I can talk with you a little bit more about, about that. But, um, all right, well, uh, I hope this was helpful to you, um, and I hope that 
I hope that you guys are able to learn more and more about this. If any of you uh, want to uh, uh, see in glorious detail our ecclesiastical fellowship process and things like that with NAPARC, I'd be happy to uh, email to you our synodical rules and procedures, which includes all this information and some more detail. Just let me know. I'd be happy to email it to you. So let me close this in prayer and um, we'll be done. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together to learn more about how our federation engages with NAPARC. God, we, we pray for this upcoming General Assembly of NAPARC this week that you uh, would bless the member churches and delegates there as they pursue more and more unity with one another. We pray that you would use our endeavors to, uh, to begin to grow more and more in our understanding and appreciation of each other in these various denominations. And Lord, may you even be pleased in your good timing to bring about full organic union uh, with the churches in Napark, uh, so that we uh, may even on an institutional level uh, bear great witness to the gospel. But nonetheless, we're thankful for the spiritual unity that we have with all true believers throughout the world. And we pray, O oh God, uh, for your people worldwide, that you would continue to reap your elect into your kingdom and bring great glory to your name. And we pray that you'd watch over us for the rest of this day and bring us back safely for worship tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.